Hello and welcome to the Tiff's Truth Podcast. This is a podcast all about entrepreneurship, growth, and spirituality. So I told you guys that in 2024, I want to focus on healing, healing myself and finding guests that can help you all heal so that you can become the best versions of yourselves. And today's guest is a trauma expert who assists people in moving past events that have them stuck. She's a psychotherapist, ordained minister, workshop presenter, and clinical supervisor. She also specializes in somatic healing. Welcome, Denisha Smith, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much for joining me. So I want to start uh, very from the very beginning. For those who do not know, because obviously most people are familiar with just regular talk therapy, mm -hmm. but I want you to, for our listeners who aren't familiar, tell us what is somatic therapy? Somatic therapy focuses on how the body processes emotions, trauma. So it is focused on our bodies. And so it moves beyond a cognitive process. Um, you, traditional talk therapy is more focused on cognitions. Somatic therapy is more focused on how the body processes various events um, and situations, traumas. Um, we would describe it as a bottom-up approach to therapy instead of a top-down model, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so are there different, there are different kinds of somatic therapy. Am I correct? Yes. The type of somatic therapy that I focus on or that I specialize in is called somatic experiencing. And that was developed by um, Peter Levine around, I think around the sixties or seventies. So it's, it's called somatic experiencing. I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner. And so I, I had briefly had this conversation with you that it is like finding a needle in a haystack, finding a black uh, somatic therapist, pretty much. It is so, so difficult to find, which is, which is crazy because I, you know, we also, also talked about via email, just about how trauma is stored in our DNA. We're learning, especially being descendants of slaves, that trauma is stored in our DNA. And so why do you think that there are so few African-American therapists who actually uh, practice somatic therapy? You know what? Um, I will say, as it relates to getting certified in some of the trainings, the cost, it is very, you know, and I think that creates some barriers for individuals just because it costs a lot of money to get certified mm. in a lot of practices. Um, but one thing that I'm so grateful for is um, organizations like SETI who, um, um, what do they do? Excuse me. They are... They are the organization that brings out somatic experience and they're doing more scholarships and more BIPOC um, cohorts. Um, and I think that that's making it more accessible. But mm -hmm. however, just because there aren't as many certified somatic experience and practitioners now, they're, they, they're on, on the rise, like I said, but um, Black people have been using somatic practices for generations. And I think that's important to notate because when we think about slavery times and um, our ancestors humming and, and, and singing and the Black church call and response, all of these things are actual somatic practices that have 
um, helped us to become resilient, uh, whether we recognize what was happening in our nervous systems as we were, you know, um, doing those practices, they were actually helping our nervous system to become more flexible and not get stuck, even in the midst of all the traumas that were occurring and that we were subjected to. So I must notate that. Yeah, that's very, that's very interesting. I didn't even, I wouldn't even, wouldn't have even thought about that. You said the call and response and the, mm -hmm. the clapping in church, all of that sort of helps to, helps to regulate and release. Absolutely. And helps to keep our nervous system, helps it to um, rebound more. The humming, the singing, you know, all of those things help to shift our nervous system from one state to another. All of these practices help our nervous system to develop the resiliency that is needed. Cause I mean, if you really think about all that we've endured over the years, you would, I know we are dealing with a lot of struggles and have, but my God, we wouldn't be as far as we are. I believe those things really helped us. Yeah, that is so fascinating. So tell, tell me about your journey into the mental health profession. How did you get here? How did I get here? I believe that it was divine by God, first of all, because I never could have afforded it. The training was thousands of dollars, but I was working with a community mental health organization, maybe I think it was over 10 years ago. And I was a clinical supervisor um, on the license track and the owner of the company, she said, Denisha, well, what's next for you? And she was, she had started the process in getting certified in somatic experiencing. Um, she was a white lady. And mm -hmm. I was like, I would love, you know, I loved hearing her talk about how, you know, the body stores trauma and attachment and the nervous system. And I said, I would love to get trained in um, somatic experiencing. And she um, she was a brilliant woman and she wrote um, some type of she wrote a letter and asked them to bring it here to the East Coast because there weren't many cohorts that were training. It was vast on the West Coast. You know, they're more into a lot of holistic healing. So mm -hmm. they, we actually hosted the training at the um, company that I was working for. And I was able to receive like the first two years, first year and a half for free. And wow. so, yeah, because I helped to support with um, hosting the training. It was at our office. And so she gave the super, she allowed the supervisors to get um, that portion of the training for free. And since that time, it, my eyes were just like, I was just blown away. It not only changed the way I viewed the individual that I was working with, but it, it changed the way that I viewed myself, my own experiences, helped me to start my own healing journey as it relates to, you know, I'm like, I don't dissociate. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, baby. All right. Yeah. Been yeah, we all, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Not even realizing that was what we were doing. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So just stuck in perpetual freeze responses, shut down. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow. And so, you know, that started my journey. And I really believe that it was ordained by God. Um, because like I said, I would not have had, I would not have been able to access it at that point. And so, you know, um, since that time, I completed the training and have um, continued to get my own individual somatic therapy. Uh, that's so important. And I also support individuals that are um, being trained in it. I'm, a, um, I'm able to do um, personal sessions for individuals that are going through the training. But I look at it, I look at uh, 
trauma and and people just so different and our bodies are just so brilliant and how to and how God created us our bodies are actually created to heal themselves Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah so that's how I got started and you know uh and how many years ago was that how many years ago was it I got certified in I believe maybe around 2017 it takes three years Okay, it so it, it's a process. Yeah. It's extensive. It is extensive. And it's not like, okay, you get certified and now you know everything. I like mm-hmm. to say that I'm a lifetime learner. I'm still learning. I mm-hmm. still get cons- professional consultation from my um, SE mentors. Um, you're constantly uh, understanding more. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah, I hear that from healers all the time that you have to be a lifelong student. You have to be constantly retaking the classes that you you've taken in order to make sure that your mind is refreshed and that you're learning, uh, you know, new new methods and new things about the practices that you initially learn. So, oh, yeah, because people are out here hurting. And yeah. then you realize that it, it is very nuanced. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, OK. I haven't seen this before and I get support as necessary. Right. So you were actually, you were an ordained minister before you got into the sort of therapy field, correct? Well, I've been, well, I've been in the therapy field for a long time, over 15 years. I've been in the mental health field for over 15 years. I've been a licensed um, clinician since 2017, 2016, actually. And I believe I got licensed as a minister around, 2015 2016 so yeah they yeah neck and neck so was that a part was that a part of your upbringing did you grow up in the church tell me about uh Denisha growing up oh yeah so um Denisha was um I'm one of three girls I have three sisters was Mm -hmm. brought up excuse me in a single parent household um my mother was extremely resilient I thank God for my mom my mom actually um she had an upbringing where she was, you know, in foster care. My mom was extremely resilient and mm. just seeing her navigate that and taking care of us by herself. Um, she went through a lot and just seeing her, but I mean, in the midst of taking care, all the financial hardships of being a single parent and then graduating from college herself, getting her master's. Uh, we actually graduated on the same day. Oh, I graduated wow. from my undergrad. She was graduating from her undergrad. And of course, as a mom, she didn't go walk across the stage. She sh- supported her daughter. Mm-hmm. But the foundation of my development and growth was definitely in our spirituality and relationship with God. I experienced God um, hand in my life at a very young age. And to be honest, um, I always knew I wanted to be a helper or healer. I didn't know. Yeah, that I was, was going to ask you like. that. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Did you always have like that natural inclination to help and heal others? I always knew. Girl, yeah. the people would be wanting to talk to the grown people. <laughs> <laughs> You why said they telling you telling all their business, huh? Yes. <laughs> why are they telling me all of their business? But um, yeah, God called me to it. 
And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I've always had a relationship with God, not a religious type. And we're not talking about religion. Yes, I was brought up in the church. I was an usher. I was in a choir. We did all those things. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about a very personal relationship with God from a young age. And so, you know, that's my foundation. I can't yeah. do this work without him. I- yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because you're the you're the vessel and religion and relationship. It's important that that people understand that those are those are two different things. That relationship is is very important. You know, people we do a lot of things religiously. A know. lot of things. <laughs> but to absolutely. actually have that actually have that relationship and that that closeness with God, it, it means a lot. And like you said, you know, you're you're the vessel and you can't do it without God. You know, you're just sure. he's he's working through you the whole time. So and I ask him to and I depend on him because you know he created the individual, right? Right. And I believe that, you know, when we do not have that foundation, it can be easy to take on the burdens of others. You know, mm-hmm. and so when you hear hard things and you, I still have to be mindful, I have to give it back to him. Right. But I would be walking around heavy um, all the time if I didn't recognize that I'm not Jesus Jr. No, right. No, no. <laughs> right. Exactly. Not Jesus Jr. You know, it is God. It's the Holy Spirit that allows me to be able to support individuals on their healing journey. Yeah, how do you as a healer you you sort of um have to have to take on at least temporarily other people's burdens so often because this is your profession? How do you um how do I say it? Find find a way to sort of cleanse yourself and remove yourself from the negativity while still holding space for your patients. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly recognizing what's coming up in my own body. So, you know, I'm grounding myself, I'm resourcing myself, even in the midst of hearing hard things. And so not only do I have like skills and tools that I'm helping my body, I recognize, oh, wow, my chest is getting tired or I'm feeling a little disconnected right now while I'm Mm -hmm. working with an individual. Uh, I use the skills that I teach others. Not only do I use those skills, but I implement radical self-care, right? And so what does that look like for me is, you know, if I've had a day where I've had some heavy um, cases, it may look like me not being so readily available to pick up the phone after work and just taking the time necessary to decompress, going to sit on the porch, looking at flowers, looking at the flowers or doing things that help me to feel more connected and more stabilized. I go to therapy myself twice a month. I talk to a professional. Not only do I do that, I also, you know, participate in like holistic practices, like sound healing, sound meditation, myself, prayer, all of those things help me to, um, to stay in a place where I'm able to not get stuck and not carry the weight of others. Mm-hmm. How important, back to the somatic experiencing piece, how important would you say that that piece is coupled with the actual psychotherapy talk sessions, particularly for African-Americans, because we briefly talked about earlier, we're learning that trauma um, can be passed through our DNA. So how important is it to sort of use these two uh, methods in tandem? Oh, it's very important. So you're saying how important is it for them to be able to like yeah do this the, yeah cognitively as well as process as yes as well as somatically yes 
they actually go hand in hand. But the great thing about somatic therapy is you really don't need much content. Someone can, you know, say something like, you know, uh, uh, you know, when I was growing up, my grandma, this, 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 that, and the third, and it's already going to show up in their nervous system. So what that really looks like is I may, you know, have them talk a little bit about it, but then I bring their awareness to what's showing up in their body. And we are just present and allow the body to do whatever it is that it needs to do. Maybe there's some unresolved grief that shows up. And so, you know, if you feel it, you can heal it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it's just creating the space to where unprocessed emotions, physical movements are able to express themselves. That's actually where the healing comes from is in the being with, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we're just cognitively talking about something, we could talk about something so fast and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And but totally disconnected uh, with the experience that their body is having. Right. And the and the healing is in the uh, allowing yourself to be with whatever shows up, whether it's an aching, whether it's attention, whether it's dissociation, being with the activation and then activation deactivation cycles is what helps our nervous system to heal so yeah walk me through how you might assist a patient um go into a little bit more in in depth for those people who may be a little confused about maybe some of the exercises that you practice regarding the somatic experiencing um Mm -hmm. in a a session to help your patients resolve the the trauma symptoms or the trauma that may be stored in their bodies Okay, so you're trying to get all the um all the all tea. the tea. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is so fascinating to me. I've been fascinated with this for a year. I'm like, yeah. I am yeah. I love I would love to share. So oftentimes that looks like, especially when I'm first starting to work with someone, a lot of times their nervous system doesn't have much capacity. So we're just trying to help their nervous system to build more capacity and so so that they can start to process whatever the trauma is Mm -hmm. and so we typically start off with a body scan and that's just helping to bring their my clients awareness to what is actually showing up in their body to actually connect with feelings that maybe they haven't even touched into for a long time and so they may say hey I'm noticing tension in my chest and I'll say okay And so let's just, I invite you to bring your awareness to your chest and be curious about it. And so as you notice the tension in your chest, what happens? And they may say, oh, it gets bigger. And I'll ask, how intense is it? We never, the great thing about SE is this not a process that's overwhelming because we only work with um, small amounts of activation or energy at a time. And so I invite my clients to be with whatever is showing up, that tension. And so it may change, it may move. And so we track the sensations and it may go to a, uh, an aching in the back. And so we're following what the nervous system is doing. And if it gets a little bit too intense, then we do some grounding. And so I ask them, um, is there any place inside your body that feels more connected, more grounded, more present? And so then we shift their awareness there. And then we go back to the place of activation. And then some clients may say, you know, um, Denise, I'm having, I'll ask them, are there any images that are coming up for you? Are there any memories? If not, that's okay. They may say, you know what? I I just had an image of myself as a 
a 10 year old little girl and I'll say Mm -hmm. wow okay yeah and so as you see yourself as that 10 year old girl because now their body is kind of processing a memory and Mm -hmm. we just work with it but from an embodied place and so my I support my clients by helping them to not kind of go into a, a, a cognitive process, but staying, uh, staying present with how their body is wanting to process whatever is coming up. So maybe when they were a 10 year old child, you know, they fell off a bike and really hurt themselves. And so their bodies may be processed. And sometimes we don't even know what's being processed, but other times our bodies give us clues. So a memory may show up. And we just kind of work with it. And so, you know, they may feel some tension in their arms. And I may say, do you have a sense of how that tension may want to move? My arms feel like they just want to punch. Or I just feel, oh, I feel some frustration. And where is that frustration showing up? And so that's pretty much how it goes. And we Mm -hmm. allow ourselves to be with whatever is showing up within the body. It might be some movements that want to move through. And so what's actually happening is we're helping the body to come out of some fight, flight, or freeze responses as well. Yeah. What would you, what would you say to someone who does feel stuck, but they may be reluctant for whatever reason uh, to actually talk to someone? What advice? Obviously, you can't make someone, an adult, do anything that they want to do. We have to do things on our own time. But what advice would you say to someone who may be listening to this podcast and they they do feel stuck, but they're they're sort of reluctant for whatever reason to to talk to somebody? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I would first normalize the feeling of the reluctance, and you know, a lot of times people have never had anyone that they felt safe with and that would listen to them maybe they've maybe you've never felt heard before and so I would just say that that's totally normal but you don't have to stay in that place I would say take a risk take one step Mm -hmm. take one step yeah I Mm -hmm. love the part that on your website you mentioned um what does it say trust God and go to therapy is that is yes, that what you that is- put on your yeah because sometimes and I've mentioned this in several other podcasts that you know those of us who grown up in the church you know it's sort of been this pray it away mentality mm-hmm. where you don't you don't need to go to therapy you don't need any outside help when in actuality like we mentioned earlier uh God is using you as a vessel to help others like just like I mean and you are an ordained pastor or ordained minister but even if you weren't you know even as a therapist um you're still a a vessel and I think it's important that people especially people in the church know and understand and begin to normalize that therapy is okay you can still love God trust God be in the church you know, practice your faith and still speak to somebody else about uh, assisting you to heal. Oh, absolutely. And I believe that um, that's one way that God walks us through healing. A lot of times in the Bible, it's it's a process, right? Right. He said, faith without works is dead. So yes, I'm believing God to bring me through this, but there are some steps that I need to take. And I believe that he's called a lot of therapists to be right in those positions to help you to move toward your healing. I also think that sometimes overly spiritualizing things is a form of dissociation or disconnection from ourselves. So Mm. it's an easy way to not deal, right? 
God got it. I'm just going to pray about it, but not really dealing with maybe the unprocessed or um, emotions, thoughts or feelings that may come with whatever it is that you're dealing with. So it's easy to over spiritualize it in a way to not deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's so good. Over spiritualizing things is a form of disassociation. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That's really good. Um, so what is, what is next for you? I know you got a lot on your plate here as I read your, your, um, your many, the many skills that you have here, but what is next for you in your practice? What, it, what would you like to do next? And uh, tell me about some of the other things that you actually do to assist people heal, to heal. Well, I'm actually um, starting a new practice in Maryland. So I've recently gotten licensed in Maryland. Okay. Cause and you're so, in v- Virginia now, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm currently in Virginia. Yep. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. So working on getting all of those pieces in order. Um, I'm really passionate about speaking uh, different organizations and groups to educate them about radical self-care and nervous system regulation. Because a lot of times we don't have to be stuck, but we don't know what to do. I right. took a hot bath. What you mean, Denisha? I took a bubble <laughs> bath. I got a massage. <laughs> so, you know... Uh, talking a little bit more in depth about what does it take because the great thing about it is the way God has created our bodies he's created our bodies to be able to heal itself but we've got to know and understand what those things are so Mm -hmm. I would love to do more um, more trainings more education that's what I'm passionate about and continue to do um, the work on the front line. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? And then I want you to tell people where they can find you. And if you do virtual uh, sessions. Yes, I absolutely do virtual sessions. I'm licensed in Virginia and have a practice that's coming up in Maryland. Um, It's called Embodied Culture. And you can also find me on Instagram. Um, check me out at Embodied, E-M. B-O-D-I-E-D dot culture, C-U-L-T-U-R-E um, on Instagram. So I'd love to connect with you all. Thank you so much for your expertise. And I'm so glad that I finally found somebody who can break down somatics <laughs> for me. I love this. And I'm so looking forward to uh, exploring, exploring this topic more. I've started reading books and stuff on it as well. And so I so appreciate your time and much success to you and your new practice in the future. Thank you so much. And I appreciate what you're doing too, Tiffany. So I, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Tiff's Truth Podcast. There'll be many more of these discussions to come, but in the meantime, make sure you're following me on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can also catch me on Instagram at Tiff's Truth. My name is Tiffany, and this is my truth. <laughs>